Hello, Mrs. F1. Hello, Mr. F1. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Guten Tag. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Guten t- whatever. We're in Austria. If you can't tell by our ridiculous German. At the formerly known as Österreich Ring, or the O-Ring, but is now the Red Bull Ring. Home to um, fan favorite team Red Bull and fan favorite driver Max Verstappen. Didn't look like it today though, did it? It didn't, but holy schmokes are those Max Verstappen fans. Insane? (laughs) Yes. And not insane, we're not calling all Max Verstappen fans insane, but they did come out in force to support him. I don't know how they can even watch the race with all the orange smoke that they're putting in their own faces. You probably can't even see anything. <laughs> to be honest, I was laughing a lot because I was watching the pre-race and they, the commentators kept accidentally calling it the Dutch Grand Prix. <laughs> it might as well have been, right? With all the, the orange there. Yeah, as many of you know, if you've been watching Formula One for a while, this Grand Prix is basically Max Verstappen's home Grand Prix because there is no Dutch GP. And it's also Red Bull's home race so this is where they're based out of which is so it's kind of on their turf and yeah lots of orange smoke everywhere um we were laughing the first lap of the race today they were just lighting off these flares in the formation lap and i was like these idiots they're not going to be able to see the opening lap because there's so much smoke i don't know how the drivers could see it looked like it was even going onto the the track it was it was but before we jump to f1 i know matt you caught a bit of f2 and We are pretty pumped about the results, so let's talk about that. Absolutely. So, last week, Logan Sargent won Silverstone, which is great. He's always been good there. America. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Only American in F2. Um, We're big fans of Logan, and I've openly said on this podcast that he's welcome on anytime. (laughs) Uh, Or the race before that in Baku, he finished second, so he had a string of really good races, and this week, he ended up finishing first again fantastic i mean talk about how he finished first i was just about to say technically he didn't finish first he finished p3 but just like the f1 drivers the f2 drivers had a lot of track limits issues Mm -hmm. Um, i believe four or five of the f2 drivers got penalized and one of them actually got um, disqualified of the race and it just so happened that that was the second place driver first place driver got a 10 second penalty so Logan Sargent kind of won by default. He was the only one to not break the rules, and therefore, he is on a string of very great races. Talk about getting lucky. I don't know if it's luck. I think, I think if anything, it's he he was disciplined enough to stay in the track limits, and the other drivers who were ahead of him weren't. You know, and he was able to hang on enough so that when those guys were were getting their penalties, he stayed ahead. And yeah. I think I think it's just going to show how confident of a driver he is you know the string of races that he's had it's it's very exciting to see he's now in second place he jumped Teo Porcher Drogovic is still ahead by a little ways but again Logan's a rookie right he's in second place yeah things are looking good for him I mean I'm sure the win in Silverstone really helped boost his confidence as we see with any driver but I mean yeah he drove a great race obviously he wasn't going off of those boundaries like a lot of the drivers uh, we were seeing, but I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. I'm excited to see what he can do in France in a couple of weeks. Right. See and if he can keep this uh, momentum going. Yeah, if he can, this is looking like a bright future for him. And I think Williams should really be looking hard at him now. If he's going to keep showing how talented he is, meanwhile, Latifi finishing dead last every race and not really showing much pace at all, you'd think Williams is, is considering especially now that they're owned by an American company. Why wouldn't they try and put an American driver in that seat who's showing to be pretty quick? Give the Canadian the boot and put an American in the seat. That's right. I like it. Yeah, exciting, and and congrats to him for this probably surprising race win for him. Definitely. The only part that sucks is we didn't hear the American national anthem. No, we didn't. It's a shame. They should just redo the podium just so we can hear the Star Spangled Banner again. Absolutely. I mean, we've got to hear it. It has to be there. But yeah, congrats to him. The great race overall that weekend. And And super quickly, I wanted to, I know um, there's quite a few American drivers in F3. Um, One of the Red Bull juniors, uh, his name's Jack Crawford, who's an American. He won the sprint race. Uh, 
at the Red Bull Ring this weekend. He's in fifth place in the standings right now, just a few spots behind Charles' little brother, Arthur, who's in third, who had a great weekend as well. Uh, it's really cool watching these little kids get, and they're not little kids, they're <laughs> young men, basically. But uh, hopefully that changes soon. Hopefully Jamie Chadwick can jump in there and it's not just men. But, yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm really excited to see the future of, you know, F1 with these kids who are, who are showing promise and working up the ladder to see who's, uh, who's going to be in F1 soon. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully this is just more of the reason for an American to be in Formula One. We've got a lot of talent. Like you said, in F3, there's a couple Americans. F2, we've got Logan. So maybe things are looking up for Formula One in the United States, not just on the fan side of things, but maybe on the driver side of things to come here. Yeah. So really exciting. Um, You mentioned Jamie Chadwick. No um, W Series race today, but... To fill it in, since we've got to have some women in motorsports in this, I mean, we do. This is why this pod, our podcast is this, is to talk about Formula One and to talk about W Series, but also just to help promote women in motorsports in general. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. So if anybody has heard, I'm, I'm sure you have, if you're in the motorsports world, you've heard of this team, the Iron Dames. They race in the World Endurance Championship Series in the LMGTE AM section yeah it's if you don't know a lot about endurance racing this can be confusing but basically endurance racing tons of cars racing on the same weekend on the same track at the same time but they're all in different what would you call them categories categories right so they're all running their own individual races but they're all racing on the same track it's very confusing we ourselves are still learning about it um but the iron dames this weekend got pole position this is not only the first pole position for this team. This team is also made up of entirely female drivers. It is the first pole position for the Iron Dames. It's the first pole position for Sarah Bovie, who put the car on pole. And it is the first woman ever to get pole position in the World Endurance Championships. How awesome is this? It's fantastic. They ended up finishing second too. So they, they were able to hold on and, you know, not quite win, but Still to stand on the podium. Good for them. Yeah, this is huge. And a huge shout out to that team and Sarah Bovey and just all the women on that team. It's just amazing to see. They are really out there racing with some of the best race car drivers there are in the Endurance Championship Series. And they're beating them. They're just a group of badass women. And I, I love it. Um, They also have like a brother team, I guess you could call them, called the Iron Lynx. They're an all-male racing team. But I love that. The company, the people that run both these teams really wanted to put their money and investment in these women and do it in the right way and say, we're going to start this this team, not just to promote women in motorsports, but we're going to start it to win these races. And that's the most exciting thing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see the future of, you know, the feeder series. Now that women are getting more of a chance, I know Formula 4 Asia has three women from the Middle East mm-hmm. that are, go, you know, entering these uh, these series and hopefully we do start to see you know we've talked about it and I've heard Jamie talk about it too there are certain sports that you know there's a difference between men and women but motorsport it seems like there it's an equalizer yeah so the more women get a chance to to compete with the men I think the more they can show that look we can we can stick with these guys yeah I totally agree with you. That's a great way to say it is we can stick with these guys yeah. or stick it to these guys. Yeah, or beat them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which I did this weekend. They kicked butt and just put in an awesome performance and turned that pole position into a second place like you mentioned before. So just huge shout out and congrats to that team. And if you haven't checked them out, they're on social media at Iron Dames. Definitely go look into it. They've got a, also tons of just great youtube content as well if you want to learn more about world endurance racing and how that team came to be um highly recommend it so yeah i just had to slide that in there because it's so exciting that's that's motorsports history but also motorsports history involving a woman which you don't see very often yeah but like i said hopefully we start to see more yeah totally So should we jump to the F1 race? The F1. The hills are alive. Sorry, I feel like that Julie Andrews, I swear to God, was like up in the hills while the race was going on. That's all I could hear. But the hills were alive with 
possibly crying Max Verstappen fans at the end of this race. And very happy Ferrari fans. Very happy. Few and far between at that track. Not a lot of them, but they were happy. But happy. I was happy. It was nerve-wracking like always, but we'll get to that. Let's let's start from the beginning. Sure. Great start to the race. Max Verstappen, of course, as usual, right on the line, got off the line beautifully. Then there was a little, little bit of drama in the back there. Yeah. Checo uh, going into turn four, mm-hmm. I believe, going wide on George, um, which is not really a great spot to try and go wide on someone. I think actually last year he did the same move and ended up in the gravel. Really? I believe so. I think I saw a meme of it earlier, but you know, you can't always trust what you read on the internet. <laughs> Play it back. <laughs> yeah. But George was given a penalty for it. And as much as I'm a Checo fan, I don't think he deserved that penalty. Yeah. I thought that George... I don't really think there was much room for George to move inside. And I also think that it's first lap. I don't know why Checo's pushing so hard. He would have gotten around him, right? I mean, there's no question he would have eventually gotten around him. I don't understand why he felt the need to push so hard on the fourth corner of of the race, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we all know the starts of races can be quite chaotic. And if you're... You know, that's where you kind of make those moves and make those opportunities. Others make mistakes. People get caught up in the pack, and that's where you can make up some of those places relatively easily. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. He would have caught up to him eventually. I don't know why. I am certain he would have passed him. You could tell by the pace of the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. They were much quicker than everyone. I just don't know why he forced it so early. And it ruined his race. He had to retire. Yeah, big And George damage. ends up finishing P4. So, you know... Look who it worked out for. Despite him, George getting a penalty, uh, he still, you know, was close to the podium and Checo was in the garage when the race ended. Yeah, I agree with you, but sad, sad day for Checo. Yeah, it's tough. And I haven't actually been able to look back at the interviews after the race, but I'm sure he recognizes that that probably wasn't the smartest move to make. Um, but, you know, if it, we all know this, if drivers see a gap or even a glimmer of a possibility, right. they're going to take it. What did Senna say? If you don't yeah. go for the gap, you're yeah. not a racing driver. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, in the words of the great Ayrton Senna. That's right. So, yeah. Well, he shouldn't have gone for the gap. But after that, things kind of started to settle down a bit. But we saw something unexpected. Obviously, this weekend was a sprint weekend. So we saw a little bit of racing happening before the feature race. Yesterday, we saw the Red Bulls had the pace, and Ferrari, again, like we've seen so many times this year, just seemed to get close, but not close enough. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting to see the same thing today, but it was the exact opposite. Ferrari looked really fast today. So o- fast. On Red Bull's home track. Yeah. They looked really fast. Slightly embarrassing. That's tough. Right. But we know and we heard on Max's radio that he was struggling just right. with grip. Yep, exactly. Yeah, he got on the radio complaining and saying the consistency was strange. Right. He would have grip on one lap in the front, and then the next lap wouldn't have any grip in the front. That's Same thing with the back. I wonder what causes that. That to me sounds like there's damage or something where he's getting down for some laps and not getting down for, you know, I, I'd like to talk to someone who's really, you know, F1 tech savvy and see how a car can become that inconsistent because he doesn't. I don't think he's had that issue before. Yeah, I think the answers there are really in the data. I got to call up my girl, Molly, or F1 Blake. They do great breakdowns of the engineering parts of the cars and also the data. So it'd be interesting to see. I would love to see that for sure. But it was it was kind of scary how easily Ferrari was able to not only catch up to those Red Bulls, but then pass them. And I don't know about you, but I felt like Max didn't put up much of a fight this whole race. The, the two times, because Charles overtook him twice on the track, both times, uh, yeah, it looked like Max almost just conceded because he figured, I think the first time, and I even said this to you, was I thought maybe Max was on a, a one-stopper, and he was like, let him pass, you know, I'm just going to run the long run. Right. Um, the second time, uh, Charles just dove up the inside of turn three and got around him. And even Crofty said, wow, it looks like he caught Max napping, which, you know, I, there's, you could probably count on one hand all the drivers ever in the history of Max's life that have caught him napping, right? I mean, he's an animal. Yeah, I don't think the man ever naps, like, yeah, just as a exactly. human. <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't sleep. <laughs> yeah, Charles it, still somehow got around him. Yeah, it was interesting to watch, and 
from what I've seen all year and especially in Silverstone, just seeing Max fighting people like Mick for seventh place, like he didn't even put up a fight for first. Now we know strategy, super important around this track. It is one of the shortest tracks on the calendar, one of the faster tracks on the calendar, but also it's usually a two-stopper. It's very, very difficult to do a one-stop here, and if you're doing that, you're you're putting a bit of risk into what you're doing. So it was interesting to kind of see when Charles passed him. I think it was only on lap four. That's how not into the race we were. Right. Um, that I thought, okay, Max didn't put up much of a fight. Maybe it's because the strategy, there's a lot more race. Like, he's not freaking out just yet. But even when they both pitted the second time and Charles caught up to him so quickly, it wasn't even funny. I felt like I blinked and he was already behind Verstappen. And again, no big fight happening. But Charles driving today, let's just talk about that. Yeah, especially towards the end of the race, right? I mean, I guess we can jump into that. He he had a throttle issue with five laps to go, mm-hmm. right? And... You know, he, he said after the race that when he would lift off, the the car was still registering a 20 or 30% throttle. You know, there must have been something stuck in the throttle that was kind of keeping it down. It was causing his car to not want to downshift. You know, obviously, if you're braking into a corner, but throttle's still down, you're going to burn your brakes. You're going to, it's, it's going to be harder to slow down. And the, it's incredible to me that for the last six or however many laps of the race, he had to think about, you know, lifting off at the right time to to be able to get around a corner and to keep the distance from Max to to maintain the win. Now, I know he did lose time to Max, but still, you know, that's that's a pretty severe issue. I am I, if it were me, you know, I well, I probably would have just stuck it in the wall. But <laughs> you know, I, I just am amazed that someone can think at that speed, you know, to solve those kinds of problems and to stay ahead in the race. These guys are unbelievable athletes. Yeah, and I think we've seen that type of performance from Shaw all year. I know he's kind of had some bad luck on some races, but he is able to perform under such high pressure. And even under that pressure, when other things, like you said, the throttle pedal today, something stuck in there that wasn't bringing it back to zero, like just to see him under that pressure, he was in the last 10 laps, well, 10, 15 laps when that happened. So you've got the pressure of just keeping that car on track, keeping the pace, and being able to just perform normally. And then you've got that issue, like, you're talking crazy levels of skill here. And to watch him drive, it it was so nerve-wracking <laughs> as a Shawl fan, but it was amazing to watch. He just has proven himself time and time again. And again, you know, I know we've already said it, but this is this is Red Bull's track. They developed their car here. Mm-hmm. So for Charles to to show the pace, and, you know, Carlos showed the pace too, right? We'll jump into him, unfortunately. But uh, right before he had his his fire, um, he was about to pass Max easily. So, you know, maybe the story isn't how great the Ferraris were, but maybe the story is how inconsistent and not great the Red Bull was at their own track. Yeah. You know, and, and that's probably more worrisome for for the Red Bull team. Because maybe they could, if, if they looked really good, but Ferrari passed them, they could just say, uh, you know, maybe Ferrari's car was built and for some reason our, it's really good on our track, but we've been beating them on every other track. But, you know, now today with Max complaining about the inconsistency, is that going to cause problems in the future? You know, right. Red, Bull's, Red Bull's ahead by a lot now, but we're only halfway through the season. So if if this is a if they are consistently inconsistent, it could cost them another championship. Yeah, but I guess you could also argue that for Ferrari today as well. Carlos's car exploded. Actually exploded. We Good watched point. it yep. <laughs> explode, ignite on fire, and then roll down the hills of Austria. <laughs> Plan E for explosion. <laughs> I was joking with Matt earlier that um, obviously if you're watching the race, Carlos Sainz's car literally blew up and lit into, lit into flames. It looked like the engine just, I don't know how else to explain it. It blew up, the yep, engine. Um, and it was pretty scary. He was having difficult getting out of the car. The car was being engulfed quicker and quicker in flames. I was terrified. And like Mar- the marshals in Austria, come on, guys. Well, it was unfortunate because... A, we're in Austria and there's lots of hills. Mm. And of course, Carlos ended up on a hill. You know, those cars don't have parking brakes. So 
to get out of the car and you're on a hill, it's going to start rolling whichever direction the hill is, right? So he couldn't quick jump out of the car if his foot wasn't applied to the brake Mm -hmm. because the car is just going to roll. And the car's on fire. So now he's kind of like, what do I do? And finally a marshal stuck one of those little wooden blocks under the tire to... It, to, to, if he wouldn't have done that, it, it could have been a different story. It barely stopped it, by it, the it way. Did, it kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I literally was sitting there thinking, am I going to watch this fiery ball of a Ferrari flame drift back into the track with Carlos Sainz half in, half out of it? Like, right. it, it was touch and go there for a second, and we were both sitting on the couch going, get in the fire extinguisher! Because as drivers, too... Like, as much as they want to make sure they're safe, sometimes you see guys get in crashes and they're more concerned about the car than themselves. Right. Um, so he was obviously, too, like, trying to get the marshals to get there as quick as possible to get the fire out, not just to so he didn't light on fire, but also to save the car because that's going to be a pricey fix for Ferrari. Right. And, and, yeah, like, you know, there's a cost cap now. So the more that thing catches on fire, the more parts are melted. Right. And every dollar counts. It's a shame because Carlos was having a good race. He didn't have the pace that Charles had, but he was he was quick and he was about to pass Max on that straight when his car caught on fire. Yeah, and like you said, you know, thank God he got out safely and hopefully they're able to fix that car. But you just have to feel for Carlos. You know, the week after his first win, he's had rough luck. He's finally kind of broken through with his win, and now you know he's poor guy was sitting by the side of the road with his head in between his knees. You could tell he was just pain gutted for sure i was actually joking with you before we started recording i found it just kind of hilarious it reminded me of a star wars moment i'm gonna meld my two favorite things together here but it just so happens that carlos Sainz is coming up to the back of max verstappen if he passed max he would be right behind leclerc and there were plenty of laps to catch up to leclerc at that point and I just was kind of thinking in my head earlier, it's like that moment in Star Wars where he goes, execute order 66. <laughs> I imagine Matteo Bonato saying that over the radio and then <laughs> Carlos's engine explodes. He's like, aha, now we won't have to deal with two Ferraris fighting with each other again. Yeah, now we won't have to make a poor strategy decision if they come <laughs> close to each other, right? Yeah, I just, that moment, for some reason, those two things popped in my head at the end of the race. Maybe it was Christian Horner that ordered executed order 66 on... <laughs> on uh, Carlos's car. He was like, if we can't have both Red Bulls finish, you can't have both Ferraris finish. You want a one-two finish? Boom. (laughs) Explosion. And it really was an explosion. But yeah, so glad he's safe. But that happened. And then like you mentioned, Charles had the throttle issue almost a lap after that. Right, right. And everyone's wondering, "Uh uh-oh, is is Charles' car going to catch on fire now? Yeah, who knows? I, I was starting to freak out when I heard him over the radio going, what's wrong with the throttle? And I was like, oh my God. No, please, Lord, please, you know, Michael Scott, where he's like, no, no, please, no. (laughs) That's what was happening. But you mentioned Ferrari's strategy. They, by some miracle, got it right this weekend. A broken clock is right twice a day, you know. This is true. Despite their best efforts, they actually made good strategy decisions today. Good for them. They did. I'm not knocking on wood. Maybe they had some some big powwow after Silverstone where it was like, this could not happen again. Like, Matteo Bonato, probably I see him standing in front of the whole thing, but I don't know. Like, it, they did make good decisions. They got lucky, too, I think, with that safety car at the end. They were able to pit Leclerc, get him on those mediums, which, again, is a faster tire. They were Max and him were both on the hards up until that yellow flag. There was no way they weren't pitting Charles there. After, <laughs> after last week's mistake, not a chance. They were like, not again! Charles, if they didn't, Charles would have just gone back to the paddock and killed everybody. Because they, yeah. you know, it was, there was no way they were making the same mistake twice. I so do they, not like angry Charles at all. He's very scary. Yes, he is. I can't imagine but being his engineer. They obviously made the right decision and hopefully they learned from that mistake in Silverstone. And now when something like that happens, which you know, th- these cars clearly have reliability issues. It's not just the Ferraris, it's all of them. So there's going to be safety cars yeah. in the future. They need to be prepared for that. And hopefully they've learned and they'll know to pit Charles so that you don't get angry Charles. <laughs> exactly. Angry Charles. No one likes angry Charles. I mean, is science, would this be his last power unit before a penalty? That's a good question. It might be. I, I know that Ferrari has gone through quite a few. I want to say yes. Yeah. Because Charles took, already took that penalty 
the race before Silverstone. Where were we before Silverstone? Baku. Baku. That's right. He took that penalty in Baku, I believe. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see what happens for Carlos Sainz in France in two weeks. But I'm sure the mechanics are super pleased that they have a break in between here and France because that car is going to need a lot of work. Speaking of that, it reminds me of what happened to the poor Mercedes team during qualifying. Both Lewis and George crashed the car. Oh. Those poor men and women who have to fix the car, you know, both of them overnight, you know, they probably were up till four in the morning getting that thing ready for the race. Um, the sprint race, right? Because it was before the... Right. Yeah. On Props day to one. that team. Yeah. They, and, and I know Lewis thanked them after the race, and he usually does, but they earned it. You know, they got those cars up and running, and because they did, they got third and fourth place. Good for them. They did. Quick before we get off just Ferrari, just in general, great performance from both drivers this weekend. But I think it was... Charles obviously was outperforming Science this weekend, qualifying, sprint, the whole shebang. But I think this is, again, Ferrari trying to say who their number one man is, and it's Charles Leclerc. I think... I think Charles just proves it, right? I mean, yes, Carlos won last week, but let's be real. If Ferrari made the right decision, Charles wins last week mm-hmm. by a mile, right? If they pitted him, he wins, and Carlos doesn't get his first win. You know, I'm happy for Carlos that he got his first win, but it's very obvious who the better driver is. No offense to Carlos. He's a great driver, but Charles is generational. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's up there with Max as just a young guy who's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. But hats off to Ferrari. Congrats to that team. Great performance. And it was a fun race to watch. I think you just mentioned them earlier. Mercedes had a, had a decent weekend. Yeah, third and fourth. They they were, during the sprint race and during the qualifying, they looked like they were, they were getting closer to the front two teams. I think during the feature race, they were pretty clearly still a ways back but they're still the third best team and and inching closer so I think that there's a lot of positives to take for them going into France in two weeks and supposedly they are going to have some upgrades coming in France and uh and and I believe Red Bull and Ferrari have uh have to move that wooden plank by France that that's been really controversial I don't really understand it but such a great point, Matt. I didn't think about that. So if anyone's been paying attention to the paddock gossip or drama, as I like to call it, basically Ferrari and Red Bull have both taken, found a loophole, you can say, in the new rules regarding the floor and the plank that is very, very closely regulated by the FIA. Um, they've taken some liberties and the, it's been discovered. The FIA has been like, wait a minute. So they have given um, up until France, which is two weeks from this race, to make the adjustment to their plank. This, I am seeing we will probably see the Rebels and Ferraris slower than we think. Yeah, and possibly, Matt's literally like making a porpoising move on the other side, (laughs) and possibly seeing them struggling with some more porpoising. I, I can't say for sure, I'm not an engineer, but I did do a live with F- with Molly, who's an amazing engineer in the motorsport space, and she was really great at explaining it to me and helping me understand it more because it is very complicated. I mean, those cars are engineering marvels, right? Mm-hmm. But and like you, I'm with you. I am not an engineering guru. I I don't quite understand it. But from what I've heard from people who've talked about it, is that it is that that shift is going to make them experience porpoising similar to what the other teams were and the fact that they kind of took that loophole rule was one of the reasons why they started the season with much less porpoising than the other teams right so it'll be really interesting to see Mm -hmm. what happens in france and, and, and if mercedes is if that slight change along with mercedes upgrades can bring them into the mix yeah if we have a if we have three teams competing for wins every weekend how exciting is that going to be? That is sounds amazing and awesome. And I'm just looking now. Mercedes is third in the Constructors' Championship. Yeah, by a mile, right? I yeah. Mean... They are, so they are at 237 points after Austria. And then Ferrari's at 303 and Red Bull's at 359. So they're not, they're behind. But if this 
floor issue really affects Ferrari and Red Bull more than they're thinking. Now, knowing these teams, they've got something in their back pocket. They knew they were taking a risk by doing that with the floor. So I'm sure they've got something worked out, but it might take them a race or two to get their feet under it. It's going to make the drive feel different. The drivers are going to have to get more familiar with how the car is handling versus how it's been handling the rest of the season. So it'll be interesting. And I think you're right. It could put Mercedes back in the mix, but Besides their crashes in the sprint this weekend, just great performance overall. Um, Lewis coming in third, George right behind him in fourth, where he started actually on the grid for the race. So just again, they seem to be progressing little by little, but it's good to see a smile back on Lewis Hamilton's face. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's interesting that Lewis started behind the two Haases and finished ahead of George, who was in front of the two Haases. Right. Right? I mean, I think that's a testament to how good Lewis's race was. And I know you and I were talking, and he did actually have a hard time passing the Haases. Um, I think that's more because the Haases were a quick car around this track, which I love to see. They were rockets but around this they were track. Great. They were great. Another double points finish for Haas. Two yeah. in a row. And I think we have seen, like we talked about in the last episode, Mick Schumacher finally getting that monkey off his back when it came to getting those first points. Now I think this man is on fire. He is hungry. We were laughing at all the memes that were happening this week. It's like the Schumacher genes have been activated. Now right. now he wants more. And he's, he's not here to play nice anymore. He's not here to play the rookie. His elbows are out and he wants to win. And I freaking love it. He is turning more and more into into his dad in these interviews it's funny you know he's the soft the softest spoken nicest kid in the world but then the interview this weekend that everyone's talking about where he was very angry after the sprint race that he was not allowed to get past kevin you know why the team didn't and it oh man watching that interview i was like oh my gosh this, this is michael it's amazing you know, it's it's so exciting to see that mick has the confidence now and a good car Right, I mean that it is a good car now. We can finally say that, and maybe it's track specific, right? Maybe right. it struggles around some some other tracks, but it was great to see those two battling and Mick, you know, defending Lewis during the sprint and the the feature race. Amazing defending! Oh my gosh, that was fantastic TV. That it was is, unbelievable. It is personally, I think, the best racing, not just that we've seen in so many years in Formula One. It is the best racing I think I have seen Mick Schumacher ever do. And it's, I know this car is faster this year. He's actually getting the chance to have those battles with those mid-pack and even upper-pack guys right now. But it was so great to see. I feel like when these guys are in these teams that are just kind of, you know, hanging out behind you don't really get to see their full talent spectrum but when you get up into these chances and they get to fight with the likes of lewis hamilton and some of the mid-pack guys you truly see you see them fight yes and it was just great and i think the more he can get more of that under his belt just the better he's gonna get and it is the second time he's outperformed his teammate kevin magnuson this weekend so that even better for him yeah Absolutely. Like you said, I, I think you summed it up well by saying it's so exciting to just see him fighting. Right? Mm -hmm. Used to just see him let cars go by because he didn't have a quick car and you know maybe struggle with confidence. But with his elbows out, man, that that uh, defense that he had on the sprint race on Lewis, I was really anticipating to hear the radio of Lewis complaining about how he was driving dirty because Lewis tends to do that when. He can't get by somebody. Yeah. But I thought Mick was, he was clean and he was, you know, relentless. Yeah. Absolutely relentless. It's funny you mentioned expecting Hamilton to complain. He actually was on the radio, no joke. There's a direct quote from his radio saying, man, these hosses are fast. He was starting to get worried if he could even get past them in a reasonable time, which just goes to speak to their speed today. Um, obviously, Mick is finished in sixth and Kevin in eighth. So it was just great to watch. I can't wait to see more of this, and I hope the Haases continue to improve and we get to see them fighting more and more. And I believe they just jumped Alpha Tauri um, in the standings because of that race. They scored 10 points today. Yeah, let me look. Hold on. I'm going to look right now. Yes, they did. So Haas is seventh in the Constructors' Championship yeah. right underneath Alfa Romeo. Alpha Tauri, I thought. Is no. it Alfa Romeo? Alfa Romeo's in sixth, okay. Haas in seventh, Alpha Tauri is in eighth. Okay. Ha Those are the ones gotcha. that Haas just jumped with this result today. That's fantastic. They, ten points on, on a 
in one weekend for actually I think more because they Mick scored a point in a in the sprint race and a Kevin did too. Yes. So that's a great weekend for them to get multiple points, especially in those lower rungs. You know, if you get a big weekend like that, you can jump two or three spots. Yeah, you can. And it's it's where they need to take those opportunities and yep. they're definitely taking advantage of them. And also there was a huge battle going on on lap, I believe it was lap 24 for eighth place. And it involved the likes of Kevin Magnuson, Lando Norris, Fernando Alonso, Guan Yu Zhou, and Mick Schumacher. Five cars at one time fighting for one place. Yeah, if, if you're just getting into F1 and you want to watch how exciting it can be, just watch that one lap. It was, there was crazy. There was five cars going into a corner. Um, you know, I think Kevin ended up in front of all of them. Mick passed Joe. Um, it, it's just, it was bedlam. And, you know, and, and there's... The skill of these guys to go five cars into a corner, not hit any of the other cars, but still make these overtakes. And, you know, and then the DRS opens up as soon as they get out of the corner and there's a drag race to the next corner. It's just that is pinnacle excitement for for me when it comes to F1 racing. And I'm a little biased because I think that the Red Bull Ring is one of the best tracks that we have oh, um, on the yeah. F1 circuit. It's like you said, it's it's quick. It's you know they what they're lapping a minute and six seconds or seven seconds right so it's it's a very fast lap there's three DRS zones and a kind of short track space it's it, I I think it's one of the most exciting races of the year there's just great overtaking there's great battles yeah and, you know I, I know last year they did two races there I think that was a great decision because it's just such an epic track. Yeah, and the race that we saw there last year was one of the most exciting races of the season. That's right. But yeah, I agree with you. Great racing. That crazy battle we saw for eighth. They went three wide at one point, which you never see Formula One cars do that, even on the widest tracks on the calendar. So just an amazing battle, amazing thing to watch. And again, we're seeing this new generation of car provide us with more of those close following opportunities. The old gen, you never would have seen five cars fighting for one place That's like that. That's a really good point. You're... That's a very good point. With these new cars, if you got within a second, a second and a half, the dirty air would throw your car everywhere and you wouldn't be able to. So good on the FIA and, and F1 to develop these cars to make for more exciting racing because it is clearly more exciting. It was so much fun to watch. This whole race was so much fun to watch beginning to end. I'm not going to lie in the middle there. I thought, oh no, is this going to get a little boring when things started to settle down? But it was far from that. Uh, just really quickly, Max Verstappen get, did get the fastest lap at the end. Um, we know Charles was daring, dealing with those issues. He actually caught up to Charles. He made up two seconds between them in that last lap. So that's... that was that was due to Charles' throttle issue. Yeah. Right? But the fact that Charles still held him at bay, you know, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And Mick was voted driver of the day, which I think well-deserved. Another team I think we need to talk about that just unfortunately did not have a good race this race and is not in general having a good season is Alpha Tauri. It's just, it's kind of a bummer. Pierre Gasly is such a talented driver and I feel like we got to see him shine a lot last year. And in this year, in this new generation of car for them, I, I don't know what it is, but they're just not doing well. And, you know, Yuki at the beginning of the year was looking promising too. I know he had a really rough first year, but in the past few races, they've been invisible. They're, they're not near the points. They're making bad mistakes. They crashed into each other last race. Yeah. And then Pierre gets a, a what, five or ten second penalty today? Got a five second penalty for punting Sebastian Vettel um, into one of the corners. I think it was corner four. It was. It was the same exact spot, the same exact incident as George and Checo. So, Which yeah. I think he deserved that penalty. Seb was obviously ahead of Pierre Gasly into the apex and through the apex. And he just hit him, caused Seb like the rest of his race basically he ended his race in 17th which was last place in this race due right. to the three dnfs yuki sonoda finished 16th and pierre gasly in 15th just not good for alpha tauri not at all yeah, it's terrible I, albon finished ahead of him right in the williams i mean they should be finishing ahead of a williams yeah right that that's craziness yeah absolutely. that is a much better car than the williams but they just they're not they're not very quick. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't you know, know what and, it is. And they should be. They, they have a similar power unit as the as the Red Bull team, which seems to be the best power unit. So why why can't they keep up? 
Right. What's... Right. I mean, Haas, the sister team of F, of uh, Ferrari, looks pretty good. You know, I guess Alfa Romeo doesn't look great, but you know, I, I just don't see why Alfa Tauri can't have some success with a such a good power unit. Right, and it's such a bummer because we know Perry Gasly is so talented and that he can do amazing things even when the car isn't 100% there. But if I was Yuki Tsunoda right now, I'd be a little worried because he hasn't really gotten a chance to show what he can do in that car. So, And, and we know Red Bull's um, quick trigger finger when it comes to the leash that they give drivers, right? Yeah. I mean, the, that, the quickness with which they tossed Alex and Pierre before you know how how quickly are they going to toss him? Not to mention they have they're probably the biggest junior team pool of all of the the constructors in F one. Mm-hmm. They have some very good drivers in F two and F three. Yeah. So at what point are they going to be sick of Yuki? Right. And I, like I said, I think at the beginning of the season he was showing how talented he was, um, but the past two or three races he's made some bad decisions, and just hasn't showed pace at all. Right. And just interesting in the media this weekend or week, Helmut Marco mentioned that they have hired a sports psychologist to handle Yuki's anger management, anger issues. Personally, I just want to touch on this, and this is my own personal opinion, but that ticked me off a little bit, to be honest with you. When it comes to someone's mental health and the the treatment they are receiving that does not need to be broadcast to everybody in the world and yet we all know Yuki Tsunoda's got quite a mouth on him and he can his temper can rage pretty high in certain situations but what driver hasn't screamed to at their engineer on the radio yeah I I think that we do we do want to destigmatize you know mental health issues and I think that most athletes, most modern athletes today are very open to sports psychologists, not just in F1. I know a lot of, you know, football players, hockey players here in the States that are very adamant that their sports psychologist, you know, is is as beneficial as their nutritionist or, you know, whoever else they they hire to, to keep them in pinnacle sporting shape. Um, but I, I very much understand your viewpoint on that. It's not really his place to mention that. And I guess we can't know for sure if he had a talk with Yuki and Yuki had said, that's fine, you can talk about it, I don't mind. Um, but if he didn't, you're right, that is kind of something, that's something that Yuki should be telling everyone, not Helmet about Yuki. Right. right? That's that's not really his spot to talk about that. And in the way Helmet, Helmut, sorry, I feel like I should pronounce that correctly, the way Helmet kind of phrased it was that Yuki has like an issue he's got a problem he's the quote-unquote problem child of the team which I felt was incredibly disrespectful to his driver he didn't say that he's a problem child I I don't quote me on this everyone but I'm pretty sure he actually said that (laughs) that's I I'm not a fan of helmet Marco um I mean I don't think you're the only one yeah, I think there's a lot of people who see how he treats junior drivers and how he favors Max over everybody. Um, I know that he's integral to the team and he's integral to Red Bull, the company. You know, he, he was kind of there at the start. But I I think that he just needs to shut his mouth sometimes. Agreed. You know? And this was addressed in the driver's press conference. Yuki was asked, we heard that you've gotten a new sports psychologist kind of what are your thoughts on that? And it was kind of evident in the way he spoke about it that he was a little pissed off. Um, he said he's actually already been working with a sports psychologist for for a couple of years now, and that they've it sounded like they've almost replaced this sports psychologist um, against his will. Again, these are my speculations and just kind of how it came off to me. But he didn't seem super happy about it. In fact, he made the remark that if the new psychologist was doing any good, he'd be performing better. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's brutal honesty, but it's 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 almost sad though. You know, I, I don't I don't like that. That's like where it's getting to with Yuki, and you know, that's it, also kind of self deprecating and not in a good way mm-hmm. either. And I'm sure you know, hopefully, him and his sports psychologist kind of iron that out. But I, I sometimes I think that there are there are contr- outside contributing factors that you can't control, and I think helmet being not a good person is something that you can't control 
mm. and putting undue pressure on these young drivers and then very quick to just pull the plug on them if they aren't performing at, you know, generational talent right away. It just or, doesn't make any sense that that's how you would treat someone, not just an athlete, but a person. Yeah. It, it's just, I understand that athletes are usually mentally tougher than most others, but at some point, you know, Helmut's going to realize that the problem maybe isn't with the drivers, it's, it's him. Just watching that happen today kind of was disappointing and sad. I know there are a lot of drivers out there that advocate for mental health and are also on board with making, you know, not having a stigma around it and that encouraging people to get help no matter what. Um, and we also believe that here too. So to see that this weekend was a little disheartening. Um, but I hope the Yuki does get the help he needs and just helps him just not even just with his anger issues, whatever that means, but like just get him in a good mental headspace to perform at the top of his level. Yeah, like you said, drivers yell at their at their race engineers all the time. I mean, that's not really that's not a new phenomenon, no. right? And yeah, maybe Yuki does it a little bit more than the next person, but I think that and maybe Yuki's problem isn't isn't you know yelling at the race engineer it's not being able to let it go after the race or something like that but i i just find it hard to believe that um at least you know from the outside looking in that he could be in any other any different of a situation than any of the other drivers yeah right and all the other not all the other drivers but a lot of them do have sports psychologists and like i said i promote that wholeheartedly but yeah for helmet to kind of single him out and he needs this because he's unwell or you know whatever whatever wording he used is is a a bit damaging Mm -hmm. yeah i agree so yuki we support you end of story and we support everyone getting help for any mental health issue big or small well now i want yuki to just go on an epic run of killing (laughs) races just to prove helmet wrong yuki go out there and kick some butt (laughs) to wrap up this Formula One, Austria GP, talk. Let's do our own drivers of the day. You know how it works. We count to three. We say our drivers of the day at the same time. We'll see if we have the same one. You ready? I am ready. All right. Eins, zwei, drei. Charles Leclerc. Wow, Hamilton, really? Yeah. Interesting. Why? Because he started pretty far back behind the Haases and ended up on a podium spot. I mean, I think that's fantastic passing his teammate who's a really good driver you know, I, w- I really thought that he had a really good race okay i can be on board with that he did in fact have a great race a little bit of that old lewis hamilton coming back i'm okay with charles though i mean i mean i won, wasn't looking right? for your I mean, approval but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i pick shaw for obvious reasons just impeccable racing the whole race keeping his head on keeping his cool even when his throttle was failing him he could have easily folded under that pressure and he right. didn't he brought uh, it home i would say those those last 10 laps you know he's probably a close second for me then or for driver of the day he yeah was, he was right there much needed win for him too i think this will give him a good boost of confidence going into france and i hope we see more of these Shaw Leclerc podiums i really do and and more battling with max you know, yeah. I'd like to see a, a battle for the, the uh, Drivers' Championship this year. We could. We've got three teams that are not too far away from each other in the points. It's still possible we're only halfway through the season, which, by the way, we're halfway through the season? Flew by. It's crazy. Yeah, what the heck is happening? I know. I don't know if I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's sad. It the- makes me think that, you know, it, it, basically the season's already almost over. No. And we're going to have to wait another couple months. No. With no F1. I know, it's terrible. No. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Okay, let's let's not think about that. Okay. Let's get into our admin awards for this week. I was going to give the award to another team, but man, at the last minutes of today, Haas has come in strong. My admin of the ward for this week goes to the Haas F1 team. Well, that's what their handle is on Instagram anyways. But Haas, just after the win today, amazing stuff. For so many reasons they win this. I'm just, go to their Instagram because it's, it's just fire. It's fire. They posted um, only like five hours after the race. Uh, sorry, a couple hours after the race. This top gunth. <laughs> The picture, 
they have like the Top Gun logo, but it says Top Gun, and then it says Haas F1 team at the bottom, and it has Gunter Steiner with like these aviators on, and both of the Haas cars behind. It's it's a work of art. It's a work of art. And then they also did right after the race, they have a picture of K Mag and Mick Schumacher doing these like you know tough guy signs and they have the what do you call them the meme glasses Those are like the cool sunglasses yeah. that they photoshopped over their face it's so great yes. i'm here for this so haas admin whoever you are points to you gold star keep it going give them a raise give them you're gonna say that every, every time, time just because of pierre gasly just give them a raise oh my gosh so haas with the admin award thank you for the great content and entertainment on the track and off this That's week. right. Top Gunth. Top Gunth. Okay, people. It's time for the meme podium. Dun, dun, da, da. <laughs> the Austrian GP meme podium. In third place from username Blue Cold Berry. Love it. It's two pictures. Top part. Mick before scoring points. Cute smiley. Nice boy. Bottom. Mick after scoring points. Red laser beam shooting out of his eyes. <laughs> I love it. It's a good That's a one. good one. That'll be on our Twitter. Go ahead, check it out. In second place, we have the Gunter Aircraft Carrier. <laughs> to those of you who don't know, Gunter took a picture at the beginning of the season next to a little weird... It was, uh, it was like a marketing thing they had to do. One of their sponsors makes these little boats for kids that go in your backyard. <laughs> right, and Gunter's just kneeling next to it, right. strangely, right? So, username Surfister3F has a picture of Gunter Steiner kneeing down, photoshopped onto an aircraft carrier. <laughs> and it says, Gunter Steiner, if Mick and Kevin keep this up. The joke is that as Haas does better, the boat gets bigger. Bigger boat for that's, better results. That's right. Okay, now in first place, by far the best meme I've seen this weekend. It's called, And Here Comes Carlos Signs. To any of you Top Gear fans out there, you'll recognize the scene of a truck on fire a red truck on fire barreling down the road. And uh, yeah, the joke is that that's Carlos Sainz on fire. He's on fire, Carlos Sainz. Plan explosion. The red hot chili pepper, the smooth operator. Go ahead to our uh, Twitter page. Take a look at all the memes. Upvote them. As always, guys, you can find the meme podium winners on our Twitter at Mr. MR and A-N-D, Mrs. M-R-S, F1 Pod. And you can check out our other social accounts. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram at the same handle. And yeah, we'd love to get to know you, chat with you. As always, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on whatever beautiful platform you choose to listen to us on. Like, comment, subscribe, retweet. Like, comment, subscribe, retweet. And uh, share with your friends. It's the best way to uh, spread the love. That's right. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Alvita Zane. Alvita Zane. From Austria. We will see you next week for a non race weekend, sadly. Boo. <laughs> Have a good weekend, everyone. Bye bye.